0: Welcome friends and colleagues, I'd like today to talk about Eden and the Garden of Eden. Now it is pretty clear uh, in the text itself that there is Eden and there is the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden got planted east, from the east, Makedam of Eden. So where is this place? It's interesting to me that I've spoken to some Christians and they universally think that the garden of Eden is in heaven whereas if you look at the text it's quite clear that it's somewhere on the earth it is a place where there are trees planted it is a place subject to dimensions as we said the garden the garden is planted to the east of Eden and we have in other places, we'll see soon, some other descriptions that clearly indicate that it's in the earth. And in any case, when man is expelled from the Garden of Eden, he also travels on earth. Nevertheless, you know, as many things that our, our Christian friends uh, possess, they do come from certain strata of either rabbinic or extra rabbinic Jewish writing, so we'll try to figure that out so let's go back to the descriptions we have uh, uh, obviously the description of the Garden of Eden uh, we have the Garden of God uh, such as when describing Sodom Kigan Hashem Ki Eretz Mitzrayim like the Garden of God like the land of Egypt so that's what Sodom was before it was overturned. You have a description in Isaiah 51.3. We'll talk more about Ezekiel 28.13 as a special case. And in Bensirah, which is a quasi-biblical book, uh, it, it is described as a garden of blessings in chapter 40, verse 17. <coughs> of these sources... Uh, The only one that we can uh, derive more information from is Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28. The other sources you could always understand as being the Garden of God. Sometimes in biblical Hebrew, when you want to say something very big or something huge and amazing and unique, you would append God's name to it, like uh, the Mountains of God. The the In in the Song of Songs, the flame of God shall have a scar. Very big flame. But in Ezekiel, we have some more details about it. Uh, the 28th chapter is about the king of Tyre. Now, this is a very interesting and very elusive chapter. It says it's about the king of Tyre, but then you have such hyperbolic statements about him. Including that he was set in the Garden of Eden, that uh, it's really hard to understand uh, a, a typical Christian explanations we're talking about Satan, uh, but why would he be called the King of Tyre, who is a real uh, historical person? Uh, it it is not an acceptable explanation uh, in the Jewish eyes because Satan is a servant of God rather than a rebel. Not to say that there are not Jewish sources that talk about rebel angels as well. As we said, we all interconnected and ideas have traveled back and forth. But there in chapter 28, we learn something about this Garden of Eden and we learn that There are three types of trees, including cedar trees. They're precious stones. We learned that there are mountains in it, as well as stones of fire. Ezekiel 31, 8 8 and 16. There are cedars and two other trees with branches. That helps, but it also doesn't really help. It doesn't really give us a, 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 a better understanding of what this garden was. We know that there were already trees there that got planted. Uh, and now we have a few more details about its uh, layout and geography, but we still don't quite know where it is. Another clue would be the location of the four rivers that surround them. As we discussed, however, last time, the verse clearly says that these four rivers that surround the Garden of Eden will separate. So the rivers we have now are not the same rivers, and it does not uh, really help us figure out where it is, and we talked about it the last time. Various locations were given it because of the description of the area of Sodom, like the Garden of God. Some people said that it's somewhere over there. Uh, Mesopotamia. Was, uh, I was a candidate for the location of this garden. And we should remember that these areas were amazingly beautiful, verdant, agriculturally productive. What we see now is the devastation of climate change that has taken place with Sodom due to the uh, events uh, described with Abraham and Lot. And Mesopotamia due to deforestation, uh, overuse of resources, and this lush and super productive area has now turned into a near desert. but there was ta- a time when it was really, really beautiful and luscious. So so far, what we have from the biblical evidence is that Eden is a place. Uh, east of which was the Garden of Eden, located on earth. When we look at the rabbinic evidence, we begin to see a shift in meaning of the Garden of Eden becoming uh, a metaphor for some kind of a spiritual place. And ultimately, of course, for a place where the souls are stored uh, prior to the resurrection of the dead. Or... uh, for their final communion with God. Uh, without going into that, Nachmanides and Mamanides have these two very different understandings of the spiritual Garden of Eden. But let's look at the Rabbinics first. Uh, I'll share with you several statements. Eruvin 19a If the Garden of Eden is in Israel, its gate is in Beth Shean. If it is in Arabia, its gate is in Beit Garam. If it is between the two rivers, meaning Mesopotamia, its gate is in Dumas Canyon. So here we have the Garden of Eden having a gate, but it itself is not there. It is already at some removed place. Now remember also that the Garden of Eden is being guarded in biblical description by two, Kruvim, two cherubim with swords, with flaming swords that, uh, that flame and shine, and uh, no man has uh, access to it. So uh, it is appropriate to speak about a gate that you may approach, but not that you could go through. Another rabbinic source, Midrash HaGodl to Genesis 2.8, Eden is unearthed, but no creature is permitted to know its location. So in this understanding, it is unearthed, but it's being hidden through those uh, watchers, the angels with swords that don't allow anyone to come in. Another rabbinic source located in Africa. This is a famous agadita, uh, the famous Agadeta, the story of Alexander of Macedon uh, who traveled to the center of Africa where he found the Gate of the Garden of Eden and he knocked on it. Probably also influenced by the very luscious and productive areas uh, in the center of Africa. In Barachas uh, 34b, we find that Garden of Eden and Eden are different things. That. Even the prophets had only seen the garden, but they had not seen Eden. The reward for the righteous in Eden has forever hidden uh, until it is doled out to the righteous. On the other hand, uh, we see some sources that suggest that Garden of Eden is both in heaven and earth. Uh, uh, the Midrash Agadah Shir Hashirim, 1355, says like this, the Garden of Eden and heaven were created by the same word, and the chamber of the Garden of Eden uh, is, is con- constituted like those of heaven, just as heaven is lined with rows of stars, so the Garden of Eden is lined with rows of the righteous Dikkim, who shine like stars. So here we begin to see uh, a concept of two levels. Two leveled Garden of Eden, one in heaven, one on earth. This idea was further explored, explored by Mamanides, and I'm sorry, by Nachmanides, by the Ramban, both in his commentary uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to to Genesis 2 8, and in the work of his called Shar Hagmul, the gate of uh, compensation which talks about things that happen after death, uh, where he further expands that there is a Garden of Eden, which is a real physical place on earth, and corresponding to it, there is a place in heaven that is Garden of Eden. An exact correspondence, it's the root and the source of what happens in the physical Garden of Eden. So in this way, we come to the uh, conclusion that It is both physical and spiritual uh, in heaven. Uh, I always wondered whether a physical Garden of Eden can simply be compressed into a very small and perhaps undetectable space through its connection to heaven. Let me explain. There is an idea which I saw in an article in the Journal of the Association of Orthodox Jewish Scientists many years ago, uh, there is a, a well known disagreement between Tanoim, Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Meir about the dimensions of a cubit. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, of, of a Nama, uh, whereby the services of the altar in the temple have a AMO of five him of five qubits, on its vertical surfaces, but on its horizontal surfaces, it is an um, AMO of four cubits. The proposed explanation was that when you have a place where the heavenly and the spiritual connect and interfaces with the physical, the dimensions of the physical change. It's a very modern physics kind of an idea. For example, we say that the Ark of the Covenant did not take up any space. Uh, This is because it was in the holiest place in the temple, and its dimensions were thereby uh, distorted in terms of the physical observer. Just an idea. So, a similar way, the Garden of Eden could be simply undetectable to us because its dimensions are not such that we can perceive or cognize. Just a thought, just a theory to throw out. Now <clears throat> the idea that the Garden of Eden is solely in heaven, as I started by saying that this is a seems to be the generally held Christian perspective. Can be traced to the extra biblical book, the Book of Enoch. Uh, there is two of them. This would be the second book, chapter eight, where there is a detailed description of different parts of Garden of Eden in heaven. Has the Garden of Eden really become accessible to us? Perhaps not. There is an idea which I have many doubts about, but is being uh, often repeated by uh, a certain school of new biblical interpretation coming from the Tiloumi or the national religious world in Israel. Uh, For example, there is a lesson by Alex Israel on this, and I've heard other lectures. Uh, trying to apply this idea. And the idea is that through references to the Eden story in other parts of the Bible, you may see certain things as the anticipated or attempted return to Eden. One example of that would be the tabernacle. Now, obviously, there is a strong parallel between the two Cherubim, two Kruvim, that are guarding the path to the Garden of Eden, and the two Kruvim, who are on top of the Ark of the Covenant. There are other similarities in language and in structure, in directionality. Uh, Alex Israel also sees this in the description of the land of Israel in, in Deuteronomy. Without going further into it, because I'm not sure that we're stretching a bit and whether this is truly a valid approach, but it is certainly an interesting one. In this approach, the Garden of Eden always remains with us uh, as a metaphor and as a lens through which we can see things like the Temple, the Tabernacle, and the Land of Israel. Thank you for listening and may you have only blessings.